Everybody's obviously a little bush from all this humping. That's great. Go ahead, make your jokes, mister. Jokey. Joke maker. Come with me if you want the best. Fasten your seatbelts. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards, and you are listening to Metal Hand of God Podcast with Bear Ass and Sheepaker. Don't worry if you don't speak it out Welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and with me, as always, is this fine gentleman. The incomparable rum guy. And today we have returning to us, the man, <laughs> the legend, Mr. Paul T. Taylor. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. And I just want to say, this is the legendary 666 episode, guys. We are on episode 666. Uh, when we started, I can't... Crazy. <laughs> when we did our first episode ever, I never thought we would get to this number. That's Thanks fantastic. to everybody listening. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, how many listeners we've had over the years, how many countries... I wish I could say thank you in every one of those countries, but I will do it. <laughs> In as many as I can, starting now. Go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Rob. Good job. Go. You're being. <laughs> uh, so, so today we we're gonna do something special. Uh, later on in the show, we're gonna do something called the fans ask, and it's our first time doing this. Uh, what I did was I told a bunch of people that Paul was coming on the show, and asked them to give me one or two questions that they would like to know from the gentleman himself. So I have a whole list of stuff, and it's some of it's really weird, but some of it's really cool. So. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I love the weird. Yep. Oh, you'll like ah. the weird stuff, man. Some of it's fairly funny. Let me snort some co- cocaine real quick. Sweet. Now, hurry up. You know, get, get yourself straightened up for it. <laughs> I'm ready. Woo! So... <laughs> What have you been doing with all yourself? Uh, we we had a few minutes. We talked a little bit about uh, you you adulting a little bit at the beginning. Um, so, how's things been going? How's uh, 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 auditions and all that good stuff? Things are real good. Um, I've been auditioning a lot for. I mean, I mean, when you consider what time we're at, like twenty twenty pandemic, twenty twenty one pandemic, less work and stuff. Despite that, I've been auditioning a lot um, compared to a lot of people, which is, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Putting myself on tape for movies and TV shows and stuff. I haven't booked anything yet, but but that's okay. At least I'm getting the opportunities, you know. So um, that feels good. 
that feels real good. I feel I'm I feel like I'm making progress with my act with my um just the whole film acting skill skill set uh, because I'm getting practice at it. I did just buy myself my first iPhone, so I'm going to be able to yeah. um, to tape myself at home rather than relying on others. Um, uh, so I can really just do it as many times as I want, and I can get the audition exactly like I want it, and I can work on it and stuff. Um, so I've got all the tools now to basically have um, – a home studio where I can where I can tape auditions and stuff, and nice. uh, so that feels real good. I just there were two things that that I thought really would point me towards being a film actor. Uh, not that I'm already not one, but you know what I mean. I, I, I want to be able to travel, and I want to be able to put myself on tape. And so I have the lighting, I have the backdrop, I have the camera, I have the this and that. I may still need to buy a a separate microphone if I really want to get fancy. Uh, so everything really sounds good. Um, but also the other thing I needed need is a reliable car. So I just bought myself a new car. I mean, it's new to me. It's not a new car. Right, right. That much money. Right. But uh, a lovely uh, Go-Mobile, and I'm just so excited about it. It's like a luxury sedan. It's a grown-up car, and <laughs> I feel really good when I drive it. So I'm like, okay, this, okay. These were the two things that I said I wanted to do, and then I did them. So now, um, proceed. You know, yeah. I'm in a really good place. I'm just in a really good place right now. You caught me at a good moment. Yeah. So you and accomplished I, the things you wanted to do. Yeah. Well, you know, and and you have people in your life, your family or friends or whoever, your therapist, who you're telling him these things you're thinking about and how much this is going to cost or that's going to cost. And you get pushback and it's like, no, you don't know if I shouldn't even ask. I should I shouldn't even ask for advice because then I get it and I don't like it. It's like, no, I need to (laughs) go with my gut and do this because. I know that it's good for my personal journey. So um, right. I'm not saying you should spend money you don't have. I didn't do that. But, uh, you know, I dipped into some savings that uh, I didn't intend to dip into. But, I, you know, the, <laughs> not the pandemic, I haven't exactly been employed, you know, over the last year, uh, almost a year, just because of uh, – of COVID. I mean, there have been some jobs, but nothing like I was doing before. Right. So um, the income is reduced. That's all. But I'm fine. You know, I, I maybe we've talked about this before uh, last time that we talked, um, but I really feel like I'm one of the most lucky people. I'm one of the luckiest people I've ever known. Um, and I feel like the universe has always taken care of me. And I, I just wasn't aware of it. But now I am. And you can call it whatever you want to. It's the source. It's God. It's, you know, what the devil. It's whatever you want it to be. But it's this it's this energy that connects all humans. And it's, can I, can I yeah. ask what the turning point was for you? You mean as far as being aware of that? Yeah. Well, it's funny. It, yeah, funny you should ask. It started when I was at a really, really fucked up low place. Um, and it had to do with 
an impossible relationship that never would have even happened. And yet I allowed myself to fall in love and it was absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm single. They were married. I live in Texas. They live in New York. It was it was ridiculous. So so when I when there was separation, uh, permanent separation, I anyway, I don't need to go into that. I started seeing a therapist, the therapist, blah, 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 blah. I um, it was the audition for Hellraiser Judgment. That's what it was. It was seeing that happen because I had already been working on manifestation the law of attraction, all that stuff that I do believe in, that there's an energy that reacts to your, that that, the universe reacts to the vibration that you have. A lot of people, you know, know what I'm talking about and agree. And it's like a spiritual journey or whatever. A lot of people don't. A lot of people think it's bullshit. I personally don't think it's bullshit because I've seen it happen. So, you know, coincidences that you just, you just see what really happened. And it's like, that's not, I can tell you this whole thing. I can tell you this story right now. I'll tell it as quickly as I can, but I was, I would be on my elliptical and I would be, you know, have my, my board up in front of me that says I deserve. And then a blank line. I manifest my blah, 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 blah. I can't tell you what all was on it right now, but basically I was asking for more opportunities um, to do the things that make me happy, which specifically film acting. Um, so I get this this uh, opportunity to audition for Hellraiser Judgment. And my first and I'd been doing this for about three months, probably. And then I got this opportunity. And for five minutes, I just was saying to myself, wow, that's great. There's no fucking way I'm going to get this part for about five minutes. Then I looked myself in the mirror and I realized, wait, this is exactly the thing that I was asking for. So now what am I going to do with this opportunity? Am I prepared? Yes, I am. Let's make this the best audition I've ever done in my life. And lo and behold, I got the role. So when this happened at the time, I was in a play called Martyr. And it was a play about um, evangelical, this this kid who's at a, in a Catholic school or maybe it's, a, I don't know, it's a religious school, an evangelical school. Um, okay. He's a freak for the Bible. And I'm playing a very sort of creepy minister okay you might say priest like character so then i get this opportunity to audition for hell priest i take the opportunity and uh while i'm on stage facing away from the action because that's what we had to do when we weren't in in a scene we were on very uncomfortable pews facing away from the stage and my personal prop that i had chosen was my dad's bible that he had when he was alive so that I could just sit there and act like I was reading it. Well, suddenly I have something to put in there and I'm putting in um, the sides for my audition for the role of Pinhead and also for the role of the auditor so that I could work on those while I'm doing this play. I, anyway, you guys know that I that I obviously did very well in my audition. I got the role. I go out to uh, L.A. to get my head cast done. That's when I first meet Gary Tunnicliffe. I go out there to get my head cast done so they can do the makeup. I'm staying with a friend of mine mine from Dallas who I knew years before he has he has an apartment there I stay a couple extra days and I the day after we do the head cast I say hey take me to a comic book store so he drives me to a comic book store I want to find a Hellraiser graphic novel or Hellraiser any Hellraiser comics I can so because I'm so excited I mean I'm gonna be pinhead you know so 
I find a Hellraiser graphic novel. There's only one in the store. I open it. The, uh, the first page, there's this picture of, uh, of a, a priest giving last rites to a prisoner on death row. You turn the page, the next picture, Pinhead breaks in uh, through the window or wherever, and he destroys the priest. It was just, it was like, I don't know. The fact that I was playing a priest in a play, I got this opportunity to play the hell priest. I go out there, I get this Hellraiser novel, here's a priest being destroyed by a hell priest. It was just all, it was just all too, too crazy. Uh, and, and you can just call it a coincidence, but I, I think that it is, I know that it was the universe responding to, to my vibration and just saying, yeah, you're, you're on the right path. This is good. This is, this is fantastic. This is, this is where you're, you're supposed to be right now. All that kind of thing. So that's, that's when it started though. Isn't that weird? That's, that's when it started was when I saw it happen. I uh, think that's really when the opportunity cool. came along to audition for, for the role. Yeah. I think uh, that's I think, super I think that's awesome, man, Cause I'm, I'm in your corner. I believe exactly what you just said. And, uh, I think if, if you, if you can visualize it, you can yeah. manifest it. You know, all that bullshit about the universe, the manifestation. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I, I, I'll put it this way. You know what, guys? Look, I agree with you. I mean, it, it, there, it could be fate. It could be coincidence. It could be any of that stuff. But it's really fucking cool that the fact of you got cast from being a priest in a play, got cast to be to be Pinhead, to go pick up a comic book, and it all together in one spot. It's unbelievable. Like, it, it's really fucking cool. It's so crazy. Like I, I dig shit like that. I think that's really cool, man. I honestly do think you that's know what awesome. I think it is. I think Alexa is listening in. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, now that you have an uh, a fancy iPhone, what's going to happen now is anything you talk about or think when you go look at your social media, all the commercials will be that. <laughs> so be careful. Be on, careful what you're thinking about or talking about your, in the privacy of your own home. Your, because bam, it's right there. Your iPhone will be watching you. That's hysterical. It's gonna be like. So Wayne, you got some questions for this man? I do, I do. Okay, so guys, we're gonna do what's called fans ask or whatever questions from fans, or we haven't figured out a really. It's a it's a a title in progress. Yeah, we haven't figured out what we're gonna call this yet, but uh, it's with Mr. Paul T. Taylor. Are you ready for some of these? uh, Are you ready for some of these? People. You like what? Yes. Pinhead people. Yeah, well, this is this is this is from all over the place. They even got questions from uh, from uh, the UK. We got questions from oh, yeah Germany. We've got questions from we freaking uh, <laughs> Iran. We got questions from everywhere. We don't have that many questions from. Um, but anyway, so the first question is from Ohio. Uh, is from a guy by the name of Timmy the Man Timerson. <laughs> he said. Nice. Tim Timerson. Yeah, yeah. He said, is there any crazy behind-the-scenes stories from the Hellraiser set that you could tell us? Well, there's one, yeah, one particular, there are two of them that come to mind, but the one I'm going to tell that happened to me is, well, actually, no, there's two that happened. This is funny. I had, the makeup guy had just finished gluing on all of my makeup, um, 
done any of the airbrushing or anything, but he went to take a break, and I went back to the trailer, and it's a dark trailer with not very good lighting, and for the first time, I'm able to get up close to the mirror really by myself and, and see, you know, look at the pins and look at the thing and stuff. So I do that for a while. Then I sit down for a little while, and it's very cold, so I've got a coat on, and I'm just sitting there sort of meditating, just sort of being, you know, wow, this is happening. <laughs> and um, I get up, and I stretch. I start I do a little stretch, and then I sort of do a little hop, and one of the pins gets caught in the uh, the vent in the ceiling like the air conditioning heating vent or whatever and it pops the tip of the pin off and i just i mean they're plastic so thank god but i just freaked out i <laughs> this is the first time i had the makeup on and i just thought oh no i've ruined everything so i look real closely and i see that i can see where it where it came off um and i immediately get down on the floor and i i don't know i guess i used my cell phone to, and i i found it and then i take it next door and they and they glued it right back on it was no problem but that was that was just kind of a funny thing that happened um but the other thing that happened on the set and this is crazy um it was always a thing with the with the uh doug bradley uh pinheads that there was at least one line, usually his entrance, I don't know. Anyway, there was always, always one line he would say and, and smoke would come out of his mouth when he was saying it. And um, so I, I, had, I had started smoking anyway. N not a good idea, but I did because I wanted to, A, lower my voice, which as it turns out, it didn't matter because they, they did things to my voice anyway after we t filmed it that, that, you know, completely changed it anyway. Um but I didn't know that was going to happen. And the other thing was, Gary really kind of wanted me to say evil seeks evil with smoke coming out of my mouth. And um, so I started smoking, and it was also part of my therapy, my you know, just sort of getting into the darkness of the whole pinhead thing while I was had the weeks to prepare. And um, so I told Gary that, yeah, I smoke now so I can do this for you. And so the day that we go to shoot that scene, I just, you know, I took a little puff and said, evil seeks evil. And Gary wasn't happy with what it sounded like, how it looked. So he said, no, try it again. And I tried it again. And he said, no, okay, try some other ways. And just put it barely in your mouth, just in your, and then say it. And then just like came out the poof. And then he said, well, just take a big dragon second way down there and now say it. And it, nothing happened. Um, and, I started feeling really sick at one point. <laughs> Gary, Gary could tell through the through the makeup. I mean, and I had con full con full square contacts too. He could just tell. Maybe I was weaving. I don't know, wobbling. Um, that he said, "Guys, we got to stop." Paul, you okay? No, I'm sick. <laughs> so we had to stop filming. Um, and we never got a take that that he liked before. I just had to go outside. And it was my first day of shooting, and I thought, I have fucking, my career's over. I've ruined the shoot. I'll never work again, all these things. Because I just got very, very upset. And I was having, a, you know, so I was also sort of maybe having an anxiety attack on top of a nicotine overdose. <laughs> I've never, if you guys have ever had a nicotine overdose, it's worse than a caffeine overdose. It is. It is. Your body is just, your lungs, it's just a fucking freak out. You're poisoned. You're basically, you've poisoned yourself. So, um, 
I don't know how long I was out there, but it at one point Gary came out and he goes, you going to be all right? We're, we're going to move on. We're not going to go back to that scene. We'll do that again some other day. So we moved on and we finished the day. I still felt sick sort of the whole day. Um, and then on my last day of shooting, we went back to it to, the, to get that. And, um, and one of the crew members said, here's a vape. I have it set down to one out of five or whatever it's cherry flavored let's try it so we did it a few times it looked like it looked fine but when you see the movie there's no smoke on evil seeks evil um <laughs> but i have i have since realized in smoking because i you know i i do actually enjoy smoking cigarettes i'll maybe have one a day maybe um i i tried to i work on that line recently evil seeks evil and the thing is if you have smoke in your mouth and you say We'll tear your soul apart. There's plenty of mouth. There's plenty of vowels for that to come out through. But if you just go, evil seeks evil. There's nothing there. There's no. There's right. nothing there. Right. Right. Fair. <laughs> you can't do it with those lines. With those three words. Uh, so okay, Mr. Timerson. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, <laughs> so here, here's here's your second question. This is actually from my boss, Dr. Joe Dalgo. Uh, he said, you know, with all the um, uh, merchandise and things like that for Hellraiser, would you be opposed to a pinhead Chia Pet? (laughs) 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 I I think that's brilliant, but, you know, I'm just, what do you think? Well, it it is brilliant. I just don't know how you would make that work because (laughs) you coming out of all these different holes in the face. I don't know how that works. Isn't it Chia Pet just out of the top and then it gets all bushy and then suddenly it's like yes. you look so hair? You look, like, you look like Pinhead with Bob Ross's hair. Right, right, right. So you, a, a Pinhead pet, dude. A Pinhead pet. I think any Pinhead merchandising that is produced would be epic. Uh, you know, especially... <laughs> Uh, an action figure that's actually of my pinhead, right? Different costume. Right. That's what I really. But yeah, no, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Um, uh, this this uh, next question is from our friend Ryan Clapp. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Ryan said, "How long did it take you to put on the makeup and costume?" He was just curious. Oh well, it's basically around two hours. I mean, from. At least for for Hellraiser Judgment. I know that when Gary Tunnicliffe was doing Doug Bradley's makeup, when the last couple movies he did uh, with Doug, it was so fast. He'd have Doug uh, from, you know, makeup chair to to camera ready in, I think, I think he said an hour 10 or maybe it was less than an hour. I don't remember right now, but. But um, my guy um, was not that practiced at doing Pinhead's makeup. Um, so it was two hours with gluing it on and the airbrushing and the putting in the contacts and getting into costume. Well, that's not still that's, oh, not, wow. that's not too bad. I was thinking longer than oh, that. Not at all. I mean, I would be I would be more than happy to be have like a Doug, Doug Jones gig where you're in the makeup chair for you know four or five hours. Right. Right. You know, for one scene, I um, would, I would love it. That's the kind of, I would dig it so much. That would be cool. Anyway, okay. So, our, so our next question is from 
uh, our 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 new one of our new hosts, uh, Mr. Josh Berger. Uh, mm-hmm. He asked, "If you could tear any celebrity's soul apart, who would it be, <laughs> and why?" I have a number for you. Forty-five. <laughs> Forty-five. I don't think I need to say anything more. Okay. All right. Forty-five. Forty-five. Does this make sense? Let me let me double check. Right right now, we're on forty-six in America. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. All right, yeah. All right, there you go. All right. Okay. Totally. That's what I was looking up. I think that um, it speaks for itself. Yes. (laughs) I think you're too late. I think, yeah, oh, there is no soul. That's right, there's no soul to tear apart, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great, that's great. Uh, Our next question is from Dangerous Dustin Gross. Dangerous Dustin does a food and uh, review thing online, and uh, he he eats a lot of hot stuff. Like, he's like one of those guys that do all the pepper challenges He's one of those extreme eaters. Yeah, very... That's crazy very, stuff. Very I, cool guy. He, he he's a part of our show. He comes on and does some reviews for us every once in a while. But he's very nice, and cool. he wanted to ask a question. He said, uh, "What do you do to get into the mindset to play pinhead?" Um, you just uh, I don't know. No, you you <laughs> um, when you're pinhead, you're a god. When you look like that, when you've been made to look like that, it is easy to put yourself in the mindset of a god with, but, but let's see, it's, that's a hard question to answer uh, simply, but I think what it is, is there is no fear, there is, there are no um, consequences to your actions, Although in judgment, well, there were, but, um, yeah, it's, you have to just go there and just be, it's not like you can relate your own life to being this demon or angel. So from a human standpoint, from where, where I went was that I just, no fear. Yeah. No so, fear. so no fear, no consequence. Basically, Dustin, it's a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's base. It's but but you know I, I can see the way you're talking about when you look that badass, you just are that badass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't like the first day that the that that I was oh, in full costume and makeup. I had already done my homework as far as. Knowing the lines, knowing the you know where Pinhead is uh, emotionally in the in the film. Well, I looked like that. They opened the double doors uh, for the first time, going into the warehouse where all the crew was standing around, and I hear audible gasps and people saying, "Oh my God!" And I was there. I mean, it was it was simply that much power, and I seized upon it. And then for the rest of the time, it just felt so glorious to have all of the the power of God, basically. Um, that's awesome. That's what 
that's and and the arrogance though that came from being a human with the power of God or a former human with the power of God. You know, it's it's a uh, it the costume and makeup plays such a huge part in it. It's kind of like a lot of things. Like if I've been in rehearsal for a play for a long time, but I'm still not quite there the first dress rehearsal sometimes if the costume designer or the makeup designer or whatever just really you see your look for the first time and suddenly you're there it has a lot to do with it um so kids uh, while you're listening remember live your life like your pinhead that's right that's right except exactly uh, except don't kill people in a club and so well you're our, our next question comes from Mad Mart Flanagan from the UK. Uh, it's a really great guy. Um, cool. Do you prefer real life action acting or the voice acting? And which does feel? Uh, which does feel? Wait, which? <laughs> this, is how, this is how he wrote it. So I'm trying to figure it out. Which? gives you One. which gives you the best creative push is it the voice acting or the actual in the studio acting like you know uh yeah. in a, you know the the my favorite is is when a camera is involved I, I i want to do movies and uh tv shows more than anything else in the world um the voice acting is fun but but you're in a booth and there's no costumes and there's no sets and it's just um it's not as fun to me i i i've been in a few like i did one thing a few years ago that was that was a lot of fun especially when we had to redo it and i got paid again but um <laughs> and a feature called rump it's about rumpelstiltskin it's never come out i don't know if it ever will but um that was great fun. It was great. The, the auditions were fun, and and actually, that was fun. What I'm not crazy about is sort of the um, God. I don't want this to cost me any jobs, but um, anime can be quite a grind, you know. Uh, if you're in a position where you have to make a lot of guttural violent sounds of fighting and effort and you have to do it again and again or screams of pain and you have to do it again and again and again and again because the director is a sadist and they're just not <laughs> quite getting on you know and then you leave and your your throat is just bloody up. Yeah. yeah um but even if that were not the case uh with me personally i just i love film acting so much and that's the that's the art form that I really am focusing on because that's the one that I want to get as good as I possibly can at doing. Um, well, Mart also, uh, he didn't, this is not a question. It was just part of the conversation we were having while he, while he was giving me the question was he said, you also played, uh, you also voiced one of the better villains from Baki. He said, he's a huge, he's a huge anime fan and he loved it. He said, you were fantastic. Is he talking about Amanai? He is. Yeah. That's that's the one. That's the one that tore me up. <laughs> he said it was fantastic. He said you did a oh, great, I'm amazing job. Oh, I'm so drive. glad. Wow, I've never heard anybody tell me that. I mean, I was at a convention a couple years ago where somebody came up to me and had me sign. Um, I don't know if they were 
printouts of my character or if they were the actual DVD Blu-rays or whatever. Maybe they were that and had me sign them. And I was like, wow, my my anime work. Yeah, what? yeah he's a huge fan yeah, of anime. That's amazing. I don't do a lot of it, so I kind of forget about it. <clears throat> so it's oh, so you, good to know that yeah. I have that fan base and that he liked me in Baki the Grappler. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you I have the same... We had the, the same uh, thing as Peter Cullen. You know, Peter Cullen said exactly the same thing you did with, with when doing anime and things like that, of how it just rips up your throat and you get those yeah. directors. Yeah. And uh, uh, people, I, I really don't think people give the voice acting side enough credit a lot of times because it still takes so much out of you because you're you're trying to visualize, like you said, without the camera, without the props, without the costume. So yeah. you're trying to get that character without being that character it's also so technically difficult because if you're going from japanese to english then it's been rewritten but the mouth flaps as they call the the characters mouths are for the japanese lines so they've written these lines that are in english that you have to match the mouth flaps of the japanese and it's just oh my god so it's not exactly it's not as creative as you might want it to be you know um, I did do one character a few a couple years ago who was a leper and he had a mask over his face, so I didn't have to match any mouth flaps, and that was such freedom, and I could just concentrate on the character. You know, it was wonderful. Uh, wow, I just got really excited for a minute, and I noticed my voice was pitched up so <laughs> ah. That's okay. That's all right. Mark. Yeah, Mark. That was a good question. Um, our, yeah. ne our next question comes from Erica Boudreaux, and she says, uh, which, wait, where is it at? I just lost the damn question. Way to go, Wayne. Um, yeah, who's your favorite movie killer of all time? Besides Pinhead, of course. Um, like horror movie killer. Yeah. Stump the Ooh, man. Tough question. Stumped him. It there's so many good ones, and yeah, the the one that came to mind immediately for me um, was actually uh, Hannibal Lecter. Oh yeah. Um, oh, that's uh, a good one. No, yeah. no one really brings that one up very much. Or, or actually, more specifically, um, Buffalo Bill. Yeah, Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill is the one. Buffalo Bill. Definitely Buffalo Bill. Buffalo. Bill. Yes. Yes. There you what go. What a freak. I love him so much. Oh. I wish I'd play the role. I just, he's I'd fuck so me. <laughs> I'd fuck me. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's such a great role. Put the it lotion was... in the basket. Yeah, yeah. It was such a crazy, crazy role. He's so good. And and what a God. He just, and, and yeah, yeah, I can't say enough about that performance. Nice. I think when I thought, Hannibal Lecter. I was actually just thinking side of the Silence of the Lambs. Right. It, it, well, Hannibal kills people, sure, but what I'm talking about is that's that's psychological, right there. Yeah, Buffalo Bill. So uh, yeah. our, our next question comes from Dennis Highland. Actually, Dennis has a couple on there, but this is the first one he's done. He says, "So stepping into such an iconic role as you have is not for the thin skin. It can even be a double-edged sword of sorts." Can you discuss any anxieties you may have had before you accepted this job? I didn't have any anxiety. Well, before I accepted the job is different than 
my first conversation with Tunnicliffe. Um, gotcha. I wasn't as aware of the angry rabid fab fab what angry rabid fan base that might possibly be wanting to kill me because I wasn't Doug Bradley. I wasn't really aware <laughs> of that before I accepted the role. All I knew was I've been offered Pinhead in a Hellraiser movie. That's all I knew. And I don't think I... I don't know if I had anxiety I, because I had so much excitement and I was so thrilled right. and I felt like I'd worked so hard to get the part right. and was so prepared um, for this challenge that I didn't really have anxiety. Okay. The anxiety came later after conversations with people. And breaking, specific- and breaking pins in your head and things like that. <laughs> oh, I enjoy that. I've had that my whole life, so that that was good. That was a good thing. Uh, now, I, I, the anxiety came later when Doug talked to me. I mean, when uh, Gary, <laughs> Freudian slip, when Gary talked to me about, you know, the, the drama. Yeah. The drama behind Doug not doing the movie and then, you know, reading, going online and reading. Um, all the bullshit? Um, all the bullshit from the people behind their, you know, keyboards. Yeah. Like, stop it. Just grow up. Yeah. But, I, uh, you, you know, um, this is a little bit off topic, but, you know, we had. Uh, I'd posted the, the the other show that we did earlier, like two months ago. That was the one that we did early, you know, us when you were on last time, and I posted it in um, a horror group, and one of the people, one of the guys posted, it and he says, "Yeah, he he's he's pretty damn good. He's he's way better than the Walmart pinhead we got in the last ones." I was oh, like, so- "Wow, wow." <laughs> But uh, that leads into this question, actually. Uh, our next yeah. question is from Zach Cook. He said, how how does it feel to be the third actor to portray such an iconic character? Like, how do you feel? Uh, like, how do you think the fans have taken you? I'm assuming this is what he's trying to say. Surprisingly well. I It's taken a while for me to realize it. But, but um, it, you know, and I also had to just get over any sort of um, apprehension and, and finally just go... <laughs> Well, if you don't like it, then shut up. Fuck you. I don't care. Um, <laughs> that's the way to do like it. Me, that's your opinion, and that's fine. There, I there are certain people who've played Dracula who I didn't like. You know, it's it's a movie monster. Who cares? It's a character. It's so. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, you did fine. That's perfect. You answered it great. Um, yeah, this 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 one is actually from our friend. The big one. He's called. His name is Rusty Cantrell. He's, he's the big one on our show. He does our sports uh, segment. Uh, yeah. He says, "Do you ever play? Uh, do you ever cosplay as Pinhead just to fuck with people?" <laughs> no, I mean, if I was going to, I, I, I would have to have. I would have to look right because if anyone knew it was me, and I didn't look like I looked in the movie, as in I didn't have that professionally right made uh, and applied makeup that's glued to my head i don't want to do it yeah. uh, i i don't i'm not gonna get a mask i mean people are like you can get a pinhead mask i'm like no i can't because anyone can get a pinhead mask right um if i could look like that if i were lucky enough to have played a character who wears a mask or who's who has a, a makeup um designer who made me an extra set that i could just slip over my head that would be another story and also i mean the costume is a one of a kind so um 
I would love to cosplay. I would love to have um, photo ops in costume, but I can't wow. do that. Yeah, Doug that Bradley would be super cool. Um, he did the Doug Bradley experience a couple years ago at a at a convention, maybe more than one, but I think it was just once. I don't no, know. No, he, he did it. At, know, he did it at three. At three, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know that whole team came out and built him, custom made that costume for him for his sixty-something-year-old body, for his sixty-something-year-old face. It's completely different. The makeup is not as easy when you have more. When let's say you have less collagen in your face, yeah, it's not as easy to apply the prosthetics. It's not as easy to look. You can, you can't look like you looked. Um, although you know if. If he were to appear in a movie again as Pinhead, uh, people would love it anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he's Doug Bradley. But, um, yeah, I guess I answered the question and then I went on. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Um, the next question is from Travis Otard. He actually owns uh, Omega Level Toys, uh, a toy shop out here in uh, New Orleans area. Um, he said, so, cool. eat so eating on a set in and in costume must be a nightmare. He says, what... What's your favorite snack and meal you've had you've had when you endured the long grueling shoots? Well, it's hard with the pinhead makeup to eat cuz everything is covered in prosthetic including your lower lip which is a separate piece from the rest of your makeup. And if there's acid or oil in the food that you eat, it is going to destroy your lower lip. So you come back from lunch and it's like, sorry that my lip is hanging off of my lip. Um, that happened once because we had <laughs> ribs. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, cutting it up and putting it in my fingers and then just putting it, dropping it down into my mouth. You know, it like a little baby bird. It still didn't work. Apparently, Doug Bradley can eat pizza in the pinhead makeup. I don't know how he does it, but That's I guess awesome. eight Eight movies taught him how. I think that the best thing you can do is just stick to um, smoothies <laughs> in a straw with a straw, and uh, I don't know. Um, I, or have I think some... the funniest food would have been uh, cotton candy. Yeah, there you go. Just because there's <laughs> 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 sugar, that would be. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I, there's this picture that's around social media and stuff. I think I might have even posted it at one point. But it's a picture of me. It's been recently, I think, either on my Instagram or my Facebook page, um, where I am I am holding a, a Domino's pizza box in front of me. I have then all the makeup. Uh, I still am in makeup and costume. I hadn't eaten basically all day. I was starving to death. And they gave me this cold pepperoni pizza, and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty funny picture. And then Mike Regan, who played the Chatterer, and who also is a major uh, makeup and effects guy, who's worked closely with Gary Tunnicliffe for years and years and years. Um, love him; he's so great. He's so funny. Uh, he's the one who's also in the picture, you know, taking one, plucking one of the pins off of the makeup at a time before they actually remove all of yeah. it. And That's good. It's a but yeah, I just you you will destroy anything that's glued on around your mouth if you so, eat anything so, with oil. So it. so notes notes to people who are going to be in the movies to get stuff on their face: straws, bring straws, and a blender. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just say, you know what? We're using my own lips, so just make it work. Yeah. Um, our friend Jack Locke, who's a great musician from around this way, says, "What had you? Ha- what had been? What has been your favorite role to play so far in your entire career?" Pinhead. Okay. Yeah. Easy in that. That was easy. No. Oh, oh, I mean, that's my favorite movie role, and um, yeah, I've done a lot of theater, and uh, we need to put your Pinhead on stage. Pinhead on ice. I want to be great on Pinhead and Ice. I want to. Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Hell, Ray, the musical. I want to do Pinhead's Playhouse. Um, <laughs> or I'm Pinhead from the neck up and Pee Wee Herman from the neck down. And it was just, you know. And, and the play. Why? Twisted. Why aren't we Why? doing this? Why aren't we doing this? This is the most fabulous thing I've ever heard in my life. No, it's the most incredible. Uh, in the world, I know it is, and I, I used to be a Pee Wee Herman impersonator, and <laughs> and there you are, but what am I? That's awesome. Okay, okay so play. Anyway, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, I have I have talked to <laughs> they they were interested, and then I never hear back from them again. It's like, well, I'm not writing That's and awesome. producing. That's not my thing. It's an idea, and I would. That should have, that should have been in the movie. Yes. Yeah. That would really. It needs to happen. I, I agree. That happen. that needs to happen. That's a great combination. The word is pain. <laughs> you know. uh, there, are, there are memes with that on. That's a great idea. Uh, the next <laughs> the next question is from Dennis Highland again. He says. Uh, down the many avenues of creative work, we sometimes find ourselves blessed to be a part of something that is truly art. And other times we are simply creating content. Please tell us about a project that you hold near and dear to your, to you and as like a proud moment. And please tell us about a real turd that you had to dig deep and, and get through it to deliver all, like a professional. <laughs> Okay, I'll talk about the good one first. Uh, it was just, um, it hasn't been released yet. It's probably going to be released through drive-ins. It's very disappointing that COVID hit when it did because these guys really wanted to just take it to conventions and, and uh, not conventions, uh, festivals. And I think it would have done extremely well. Um, it's, a, it's a drama slash th- sort of thriller uh, called Whitetail. It's on my IMDb page. I played a very large role in it, larger than than Pinhead. It's the biggest role I've ever had. Very dramatic stuff. Very few laughs. Um, playing a real human being with really heavy, heavy, heavy heart, um, and the, a lot going on. And I'm so proud of it. And um, I, I. Uh, we've gotten really excellent feedback from people who are who know who who do promote films and and uh, and uh, so I know that it's going to be out there eventually and I'm just I'm really thrilled about it uh, I'm I'm really excited awesome. about it. so I, I I'm looking forward to when that comes out as far as a turd <laughs> I really don't I I don't really want to talk about it I can talk about. Hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to single anything out well, because look, I, if, I don't if, hurt. 
Yeah. Could, yeah. Could you say was it was it an earlier thing or was, has it been a later thing? Um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's okay. Look, look. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna force you to say anything. That's fine. You, know, you don't want to. You don't want to say it. That's cool. It's no big deal. We'll move no, on to the next man. one. There's definitely been some shit that I've done just for just for the money. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just to be busy doing something. But I think any actor. Besides Daniel Day Lewis or Meryl Streep or anyone of that ilk, uh, you know, well, they uh, all did shit too. Don't don't, yeah, every, don't make it. Nice everybody's eating shit before in their life, buddy. So it's okay. Actors will take the work, you know. Um, so this one is from uh, a friend of ours who is a um, he is a up and coming film guy. He he wants to be a director. He wants to. He's, he writes. He's done stuff. He's been you know film school and stuff. His name is Matt Robin. Really nice guy. He was a stand up comedian for a while. Uh, but he says, so do you feel like once you were casted as Pinhead that you were now typecast as a horror actor? And a lot of actors do multiple roles in the same genre, such as horror. Do you do you think that it's because it's a strong fan base or that uh, or is it uh, just the actor taking the next role given to them? And also, wow, and the last thing he cool. says, the last thing he says is, "Will you please be in my movie?" <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, answer the third question first. Probably there you go. Um, <laughs> all you have to do is get in touch with me, you know, at, or or through my agent. That would be the Horn Agency, uh, Jillian at thehornagency.net. I think it is. But look me up on IMDb. You can get all my agent information and, you know, send a script. Sweet. I'm not going to be without reading a script. And if there's no money at all, I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> other than that, <clears throat> those are my only things, you know. Is Let's there? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go back. Could you ask <laughs> the first question again and just ask the first question and not the second one yet? Sure. It says, uh, since you were cast as Pinhead, do you feel that? Oh. You know, do so I, I feel pin, uh, no? I do not feel like I've been um, stereotyped, or I mean, typecast. I feel typecast as a horror actor. Uh, it not that many people have actually seen Hellraiser Judgment. You know, it's it's not. It's already inside of the horror world. It's already got its built-in fan base, which kind of goes into the second question as well. But it's not like. I did this breakthrough big budget picture where I became a huge star. Cause I, as a, as um, I don't know, Buffalo bill, whatever I didn't, I, I wasn't Chucky. I wasn't, I wasn't Freddy Krueger. You know, I'm not Robert England. So it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't that big of a splash. It was a big splash within the Hellraiser community. And it was a big splash it within well, a smaller, perhaps, splash within the horror community. Other than that, people weren't aware of it. So, no, I don't feel like I've been typecast at all. I wouldn't mind being typecast. I, I just, I, I love the fact that I've done uh, quite a few horror films uh, after, since then that I wasn't, that kind of thing I wasn't doing before. And I know that that's directly because of playing pinhead which is a wonderful thing you know but 
I also did Whitetail after that. I also did uh, a couple a, co- a couple comedies after that. I just I prefer to think of myself as uh, very versatile, and others will also describe me that way. I'm nothing like Pinhead in real life. I, I could I could do sitcom. There's there's all kinds of uh, things that are unexplored that I can do that are unexplored in the Hellraiser in, in Hellraiser Judgment. Yeah. Um, what was the second question, though? Uh, the, the second part was, uh, uh, do you think that it's because of the strong fan base that um, that people keep going into doing another role for for uh, Hara, or do you think it's just actors just saying, okay, well, I'll just take the job since there's you know it's it's there. Well, I I think that. Uh, there are. It depends on the particular actor. There are a lot of actors who um, would take the next job and the next job and the next sequel and the next sequel and the next sequel for the paycheck. Because, right. I mean, we've seen it happen in a lot of '80s horror franchises. Enough said about that. Um, <laughs> but. But I, I'm sorry, and I'm grateful that that's ever happened with any of them. Um, but the other part of that would be, gosh, this is getting hard to answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the first part of that second question? Um, <laughs> I oh. sound so intelligent. No, though. no, no. It was just. It was just that. Uh, it, do you think it was it's, a lot of questions? Yeah, it was a whole big one. It was like, do you think it was just? It's just because of the strong fan base. In oh, Hara that's right. That... Uh, you know, I didn't personally. I didn't take the role of Pinhead because there was a strong fan base. I mean, I'm part of this of the strong fan base. I always was, but uh, it's. Uh, I just took it because it's a dream role, you know. Right. To play a horror monster. Uh. So. Yeah. I can't answer for other people, though. Right, that's true. Uh, we have uh, two left, two questions left. Uh, one, this is Dennis Highland again. He says, who was your biggest supporter when you decided to become an actor, and was there anyone that discouraged you from it? My biggest... You know, I got I got to discount my parents out of this equation because they really didn't want me to be an actor uh, because they were... They're, they were too practical for that Dis- choice, life choice. Uh, my biggest, uh, at the same time, my mother was my biggest fan. You know, she'd come to see me in theater and just, she came to see, uh, I think she made very long trips to see me in so many plays over the years. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even. T- um, That's what- and my dad. My dad too. It's funny because my I grew up watching my dad do community theater, but he was not a professional actor. He put himself he put himself through dental school because he was brought up the, during the depression, so that he could have you know, quote unquote, the American dream, which doesn't exist. But but you know, in the fifties and the sixties, all, all he knew was um, the depression sucked, and let's let's have better things for our families. Right. So. So, so they discouraged me from from doing it, but I was so stubborn, and I knew for myself that I couldn't do anything else, um, that nothing else would make me happy. Um, but I'm still having trouble with that question. Who was my biggest supporter? 
there have been so many there that it's hard to I mean, a different phases in my life. Right. Maybe a different one for every decade of my life, actually, because I, you know, you move along and you you meet more people. And uh, my sister, I would say, is a big supporter of me as an actor. Um, you know, it's I guess family. I could just make a well, but it's hard. It's hard yeah. to say because then you go, yeah, but uh, they really were they because they didn't really think it was a smart choice for you. And well, sometimes sometimes friends can be family too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've had so you know I've had some wonderful people in my life who who have when I'm down or when I'm feeling like I can't do something and I forget what a light I bring to the world and and uh, that remind me of it there there's so many of those people though who will just say it will just not even get what i'm talking about when i'm being self-deprecating and using words like well i won't even i don't even want to say you know um, don't have to we make we, we we make we make choices in our lives and some of them we can judge as being bad some of them we can judge as being good we can judge them as being right or wrong but really they're just choices you know um and yeah, yeah, I, I'm not able to answer who's my biggest, who's my That's biggest okay. supporter. That's okay. I guess I, I guess I am, because I never stopped believing that this is what I was going to do. I still believe it, and I'm about to turn mm-hmm, years old, and <laughs> I'm now. You, I mean, you'd big, never know you're 21, right? Big birthday, right. big birthday, and uh, I still think you know what? I have another 40 years to go. Well, 30. I have another 30 years to go, and there's a lot that I can accomplish in that much time. That's how I feel, too. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, Well, here's the last one, the last question, and it's a doozy. All right? This is a doozy. Oh, not a doozy. This is is another one from the big one, Rusty, the guy who who does our sports stuff. And he says, when you're about to get laid, do you stand up and say, shall we begin? If you don't, you should. You know what? I'm so rarely in charge that. Um... You know that's gonna happen next time. Yeah. The first thing you'll think of is you're gonna stand up and go, "Motherfucker, I got that dude's question in my head." Oh, I like it. I like it. But you know, it's gonna have to depend on who I'm with. You know, right? <laughs> Oh. Well, that was an interesting final question. Well, that's why I put it at the end because I thought it was hysterical. Like I knew, I knew that was going to be a good one to end. I'd um, rather, I'd rather just say, "Can we finish?" Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am tired. <laughs> Let's make it quick. <laughs> uh, I, you know, look, you're gonna, you're gonna eat that. <laughs> Before, before, before we're um, before we're done here and we're getting out of here, we should be out here in a few minutes. I, I do have one question for myself personally. I, I, I happened to see this amazing photo of you online. Now, look, last time you were on, Rum pulls out some audition tape that was floating around online that I, that you didn't even know. And God, then- I told her to take it back. <laughs> and. Uh, 
the thing for Young Frankenstein the musical, right? Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. And this time you actually posted this and I saw this and I, I have to ask, what is the Starlight Express? Oh god, that <laughs> picture, that costume, the Halloween costume. Yes. It's a musical, it's a Broadway musical written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, and it was about trains. And all of the actors played trains. So they were on roller skates. And it's from really, the seventies, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Very expensive musical, very silly, very pointless, with incredible costumes, and they built tracks all over the set, including going out into the audience. Nice. And so it was a big deal when it was when it was on Broadway. And uh I haven't listened to the music in a very <laughs> long time. But you know, I found those costume pieces at a I don't know if I put this in my post, but this is so funny. I found the base, the base, uh, and and the the armor looking things, the chest piece, at the. It was eighty. It was nineteen eighty four, eighty five. I don't know. A lot of gay men were dying, and I found it at a rummage at a garage sale. Uh, that a the mother of a dead drag queen was having. It, apparently, these costumes had been in one of this drag queen shows, wow. and I was like. Oh my God! I have to have that, and then I turned it into that costume because it was, you know, it was a Tony Award-winning musical. And right. It was, a, it was a big deal. Plus, it just made a really fun, you know, costume. It looks, uh, it looks amazing, dude. When I saw that picture, I, I, actually, I was like, it's incredible. I actually saw a small town production of that musical when what? I was probably oh sixteen or seventeen years old. How do you do that? <laughs> It was it rink? was absolute yeah it was at it was at Castle Roller Rink, and they oh. set up uh, bleachers like you would have in a high school around the edge of it, and it was kind of like if you were watching an ice skating show but on roller skates. It was hysterical. <laughs> and these this was community theater. Yes, community theater. Starlight Express. Oh. It was the it was it was which was really funny because uh, then they did. Oh my gosh, it was something. Oh, it was that was uh, one month right after that was the whitest cast of the Wiz you've ever seen. No, 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 no. Do the Wizard of Oz. If you're the Wizard of Oz. Yes, it was the Wiz. Oh, oh my god, it was hysterical. Oh my god. Wiz lives matter. Come on. <laughs> so, Mister. <laughs> God, God, I loved, I loved the Wiz though, man. What a great musical! I can see why. I want to do it, but there was no, there's no way I'd be in. There's no way. Did they? they sure. Did, they didn't wear blackface. Tell me they didn't. I can't. I am not going to say whether they did or not. That's a question that says yes. It, there was a very authentic Michael Jackson. <laughs> Okay. Wait, wait now. Now, it could have been two different Michael Jacksons now. It could have been the alien one that died or the one that was black. No, it was the one from The Wiz. Okay, all right, all right. Okay. Because my hometown, well, not my hometown, but the town right next to my hometown, was uh, very light. Got you. It was a very light town. So to put on The Wiz, (laughs) it was an homage. I love... the best form of flattery <laughs> is imitation. I love the fact That's that you were so. Say. That's what they say. That you were yes. so politically correct about that. It was. It was light. It was light. I mean, the whole <laughs> town was white. Okay, that's what you meant. 
No, no, I didn't say that. I said it was very light. Mm, okay. There was a nice Latin family that had oh, a grocery. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the bodega, <laughs> bodega twins didn't show up, so we had to do what we had to do. Uh, so. There have probably been white casts of Porgy and Bess. I would not have. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have. And then we have the, the people who have produced or directed or are in the show actually you know, standing up for themselves and legitimizing it and saying, well, how come all the black people get the good roles? Right. Like, man, yeah. have you ever heard of white privilege? It's, it's so it's so great. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff for the white people to do, you know? But, yeah, you know, but if you want to pay your respects... Yeah, you know, if you want to pay your respects, I think the next one up should be Roots. Maybe I don't know. It should be coming. Uh, we sh we should redo Roots, but call it Plants. It's and just be the top parts of it. <laughs> uh, oh my. Okay. Okay. I don't. Even I think have... I... Like, like, I just line... I love I love his face. He's like, you guys are fucking crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. There's a line. There's a line, Wayne. My bad. My bad. My oh, bad. I forgot you guys can see me. Huh. So. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. We are, I completely understand. But anyway, I think I think this was an amazing interview. I, I think do. Uh, I do too. I think a lot of questions were answered, and a lot have been. You know, now people are going to be scratching their heads on some of them. Oh, yeah. So. I have to say something yes. about yes. Uh, or Judgment. Yes, you do. It's being released in the UK March first. So March first. March first. The UK release. Lionsgate UK. You should. You know, follow him on Instagram or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but it's going to be DVD and Blu-ray and uh, also streaming. So, That's I mean, awesome. uh, people can download it and keep it. And uh, it's very exciting. I'm just hoping that I get bigger residual checks now. That's, a, uh, I think, that's, I think that's really will, cool, man. I think Mad Mart Flanagan is going to be one of the first ones yeah, to, uh, Mart's gonna be to out download there pushing that for it for sure. You. That's cool. I'm just so glad. Finally, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's 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 Hellraiser. The Hellraiser world came from the UK. It should have. It. I. How many years ago was was it put out? Like four years, five years ago. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know. But uh, for it to finally be in the UK, I'm so glad. You know. Yeah. Sure. Hopefully, it, it attracts people to to me. I mean, like. Uh, convention work i i've i got to go to london film and comic-con a few years ago when it was still a new movie but i haven't been to the uk since and i really hope that maybe that will contribute to my international travel that'd be very oh, very, very cool well, there you go uh let everybody on here know where they can find you so that are you know like your okay. your website and all that good uh, stuff well, I'm at 2240 Main Street in uh, Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Can't remember the zip code right now. But if they want to um, get... Haha, I'm so funny. If they want to get me on um, social media, uh, Instagram is the real Paul T. Taylor. At the, I mean, you know, because everyone wants to be me. So I had to say the real. Cause, uh, you know, so, yeah, because yeah, you got to keep it real. Right. And keep it real. Just keep it real. And uh, I have a fan page, Paul T. Taylor, on Facebook. And I have a regular page on Facebook. But, I mean, that's like my regular Facebook page. So I'd rather you go to my fan page. Anyway, um, and I have a website where you can buy autographed photos. Or you can just go there and you can look at, like, stuff from... I have a lot of... Uh, I have my reels on there. And I have my... Um, a lot of... Some scenes from Hellraiser Judgment that are kind of fun <laughs> to watch. Watch for free. But that's... Uh, paultaylor.com that's the other one very, very, cool. very cool, man. cool website i like it 
Well, and since the uh, Young Frankenstein audition tape has been taken down, uh, if you do have a copy of that, that you know, hold on to it because that's going to skyrocket. Yes, <laughs> value of that will go up. Nothing but up. Oh, yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard back from them, by the way. I really wanted to play Igor. Igor. Uh, I think that would have been great. That would have been great, dude. Um, so, oh. anyway, everybody, thank you all for joining us. And um, I wish your host, Wayne. I am the rum guy. And I am Paul Taylor. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to keep it, keep it, keep it. That's it. Get the butt!